0: Hello and welcome to the Heads and Volleys podcast with me, Lee Dunn. This episode is truly going to reflect the title in maximizing time. It should be a fairly short one and the idea of it is really to help us maximize the contact time that we have with our players and part of this comes from just Topics and conversations with other coaches and reading what other people are talking about in terms of the actual contact time that they have with their players and either learning to maximize or perhaps fine tuning things that they're doing or perhaps not doing to really maximize the time, but maximize the impact of the practice too. And if you think about what a typical practice looks like in terms of a skill based practice and warm-up that all kind of builds and builds and builds until it ends up in a scrimmage. And then you consider that a lot of the time a scrimmage is deemed to be only played or only valid if the players have been good or if they've done what they've been told to do or the coach perceives that they've actually done well so they deserve to scrimmage, quote-unquote deserve to scrimmage. And I've seen plenty of coaches who say you deserve not to scrimmage because you didn't do very well in this and therefore you're going to spend even more time doing these drills that we call drills for some reason, drills. We like these drills. Now I'm just going to make you do them even more. So I'm going to punish you or I'm going to do things like physical punishment because you messed around. And looking back on a dissertation piece that I did at university in the UK, one of the pieces for a session that I did in summary, I reflected that I made the kids run three laps to burn off some energy. And I think, unfortunately, that is still a large factor when a coach approaches a session, especially with younger kids. They're often full of energy and excited to be there. So this is really kind of a cool time to think about maximizing. How do we maximize that? And I say that because we have people in lockdown right now, people in the UK in lockdown. I'm in California where we're still not able to have competition. We can do skills building. We can do fitness training or conditioning, but we can't compete unless we're one of these crazy clubs who decides to drive to Nevada or to Arizona. And that's a whole other topic in itself. But how do we maximize with what we've got? And I think number one for me really is looking at mastery and mastery in terms of how the players are mastering the game, how the players are mastering what you're asking of them in practice, outside of practice. So how many of your players or how much of your teams or how many of you as coaches are challenging your players on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? And I had a Zoom call just recently with a coach where we were talking about how valuable it is to show them something that maybe they will never be able to do in a week. So you show them an around the world or a Rabona or something something cool that a young player probably isn't going to be able to do straight away and probably won't even remember to be honest. And that's where the beauty of something like YouTube comes in because then I film that skill I'll send it to the parents, I'll send it to the players if they're old enough, and I'll show them in practice or in in our session, whatever that session may look like. And then I'll say, go ahead and practice it. Now, you might be thinking, and this is relative to a tweet I saw about the U.S. men's game yesterday against Wales, and the challenge was how many stepovers or scissors or particular skill fakes Did the players do in the game with a kind of hint that is it really relevant for us to teach our players that? And my argument is yes. With younger players where we really want them to build familiarity with the ball, we really want them to enjoy having the ball at their feet and be faced with a challenge, something that's difficult. I think it is completely relevant to teach them how or teach them some ideas of, of perseverance for practicing these skills. Now, if a kid is practicing a Rabona or an around the world, that means that they've got the ball at their feet. That means they're learning how to trap the ball, how to move the ball. They kick the ball away because it didn't quite work out and it bounced off their foot. Now they've got to go and get it. So a quick little run to grab the ball, but now they're working on ball control to get the ball back under control and being able to use the ball again. So there's just so many positives attached to giving skill challenges or any other challenge if you're not a fan of skill challenges for players, Insert challenge here for a player to go home and practice. And I think that's number one way of really maximizing time. And in my new book that's coming out very soon, the 1v1s outside the box, the idea of challenging your players with mastery beyond training so that when they're coming to training, they're not working on mastery. They're working on the actual why the how is being addressed at home. The how is being addressed with a training environment that you are creating for them or challenging them to create for themselves at home. Here is a skill challenge for the day. Here is your challenge for the week. Here is what I want you to be working on so that when you come to practice, this is what we're going to be working on at practice. And this is something I do with the individuals that I work with, whether it's isolated training or small group training right now of saying you are a or you identify as a striker or a midfielder or you prefer to play on this side of the field or in this part of the field so then what is important for you in those positions and how can I help you as the coach so I'm maximizing my time instead of saying when you come out to the field we'll figure it out or I'll just plan a bunch of stuff that I think is good for you or that I saw on Instagram I really want to know what do you think or what what do you feel is going to help push you along? Now, a player doesn't know the answer. They don't know or they don't understand what is going to be exactly right for them. However, that's my role as a coach to say, okay, you think that passing is an important thing for your game, for your position, for you to progress. Well, then, A, I know you, but B, I understand the position that you're playing and the types of passes you might need to play. I'll ask you about your coach and your team. and really begin to understand who you are and how you play. That to me is maximizing the time so that as soon as you step on the field with me, you are already in an environment that's going to benefit you. Now, when you have your team together, you have your group together, do you have a organized and regimented warm up do you have an introduction so that when the players are arriving they do the same thing all the time or the same they're in the same environment every time and i think about working with some coaches where they've always done the same warm up regardless and as the players get older the players take control of that the players are responsible for warming themselves up in this environment this is What we do, this is the 2v2, this is the ball skills, whatever it is, this is what we do. I've gone the other way where I've said as soon as you get to practice, there is a scrimmage and we go all the way up to 3v3 and then we start a second field and we play 3v3 and this is our warm-up, which I think is really valuable for younger ages because it's an immediate activation. If I think back to myself, um, teaching lessons for my dissertation at university and making kids run to burn off energy, this is everything that I'm encouraging people not to do. And one of the ways that you don't do it is by having scrimmages. Now, that said, in California, of course, scrimmages aren't really something that you can be doing right now, unless no one's watching. And I know there's plenty of people doing this. But if you're in another state or another country and it's available to you, then I think there's there's enough people out there that will argue that you should be scrimmaging as soon as players arrive. Older players may need to warm up, but you build in an organized routine. You think about things like the FIFA 11+, where it's the same movements then you build in this a situation for your players that maybe you have captains, maybe you have it already set up, maybe you have a brilliant training complex where you spray paint the markings on the field so they always go through the same markings every time before they even step onto the field with you. Now you're building this pattern of movement, you're building this expectation, you are maximizing your time because your players are arriving, they're warming up. Now, something else that's really luxury, if you have the ability, for example, you may have two sessions back to back or you start a training at five, but you get your players there at 445. Now we're really maximizing the time and getting an additional 15 minutes of messing around. I think we'll be honest and say that messing around is valid for young players. They like to mess around. They like to spend ages putting their shoes on. They like to do whatever they're doing. I trained a kid yesterday who Had to put Gatorade powder into his water bottle, which took a really long time. I was really surprised at how long it took, but it was quite entertaining and he was there early. So he had a couple of minutes and that's what he chose to do with his couple of minutes. Then absolutely fine. You far away kid. I'm going to actually enjoy watching you do it. But now I'm maximizing the time because as soon as the session starts five o'clock, we're on the nose. We're ready to go straight away. Now, if you have older players and perhaps you've been locked down again or you are still holding Zooms with your players, what a great time to introduce the idea of a collaborative warm-up, a team warm-up, a team idea that this is what we're going to do when we arrive at a game or a training or both situations, perhaps. And then you spend the next week or so over Zoom as a team in perhaps breakout groups where everybody creates an aspect of a warm up or an aspect of the training environment that everybody agrees on or that we collaborate on. And then we all have buy in on what this is going to be. Now, as a coach, there are some specifics that I want in there. So I might break it down and say across the team, there's going to be three groups. This group is going to be involved in the stretching or the dynamics. This group is going to be involved in an air conditioning element. And this group is going to be involved in ball work. And they may have crossover, they may work together, however, but I'm making sure that I get, The topics that I want in there. And then the players are going to be creative and come up with whatever they want. Because ultimately, if I'm on the field and I'm watching them warm up in a warm up that I've created versus a warm up that they've created, I would expect them to have a little bit more energy and a little bit more excitement for the one that they've created. It's easy for me to say, here is what you do. And if you're working with clever individuals or individuals that you're empowering, really, they should be questioning you and saying, why coach? Well, this is my counter to that by saying, why are you doing that? Why do you want to do that? I want you to go and do it. And it all falls under the idea of maximizing time. Players are coming and they're working straight away. Now, the second part of this is all about the idea of communication. And I've harped on this a lot. And I talk about this a lot on my Twitter, where I'll talk about using things like tactical path and I'll show the players what we're going to do. Or I'll show the individuals that I'm working with an aspect of what the training looks like. And I'm a huge believer in this because I think people like answers. People might say they like surprises. I sometimes like a surprise when I go to the gym and I don't really know what's coming, especially if it's hard. It's really hard to not go to the gym when you're already at the gym. But if you think about a training environment for players, if you're building it around a games-based environment, then it's always going to be a game of some variation. Games are fun. Now with these games, I'm saying to my players, here's a little clip, here's the tactical pad of the 5v5 game we're doing. Here are the nuances. For example, it's going to be high press, is going to be underpinning the actual game. So if you win the ball in the opponent's half, then it's worth two goals. So they see the game setup." they understand the rules so then when they get to practice we go through our organized warm up and then we go play i'm not overloading or underloading with a like a subtle hint at having the defenders fail so i can work with the attackers or i can give the attacker success or anything like that that's not how i run my training sessions it's typically always balance numbers. If I have an odd number, I'll use that player as a spare player, as a feeder, or as a bumper. Or if I have 5v5 to a goal, then we'll have a goalkeeper. So it'll technically be a 6v5, but a 5v5 on the field. I have all of these things out there ready for the players to see. So when they receive them, now they can say, okay, I don't have any questions. Or and here is always the case, I say, okay, you guys got the video, and then half of them will say I saw it, half of them will say I didn't. Some of them have had their phones taken off them because they were bad in school or you know whatever whatever they've got going on. But now at least 50% of my group already knows what's going on. They self-organize. They, they coordinate with each other. They know the rules, and away we go. And if I think about going to coaching school and watching a nervous coach or a coach working with, and I've done it myself too, with a new group of players where you're trying to get to know them, trying to introduce things, trying to instill a little bit of your personality in your introductions. Now we're talking two, three, four, five minutes of talking. Now we're also talking about bringing players together where they may lose focus a little bit maybe the covid rules within your state within your country are saying that you shouldn't be getting players together that close anyway so if i'm showing all of this ahead of time I'm maximizing my time. They're coming out. They're stepping straight onto the field and they know exactly what's going on. Yeah, of course, I might have to stop it and explain again or show again or maybe answer some questions on little things that they they may need clarifying. And I may even have to change it because we all know that once you put this best laid plan down on paper, And you put it on the field and the kids figure out a solution, which was not a solution that you had figured out. And now they're just completely ruining the plan of how you wanted to press high. And then the other team is just beating them from distance. So they can't even get close to press. Now I've got to make changes. But the game is going on and I'm able to organize that session whilst it's still going. I am maximizing my time. And in maximizing my time, that's it for today. I really wanted to just share these quick tidbits of ideas of how to maximize that time, but how to do it in a way that not only encompasses or considers your players, but a way that's going to help you. Help you, you're planning your sessions ahead of time. Why not take a picture of your session plan and send it to your players and say, this is what we're working on. Maybe you even just introduce the topic. I understand the idea that, If they know it, maybe they're already going to play within those solutions, but I'm not showing them solutions. I might just show them a still of the game setup. And you can definitely go that way. And then maybe if you play that same game again, now you show them a video and say, this was perhaps a trend. This is one way we could do it. This way is worth two goals. This way is worth three goals. This way is worth one goal. Now I'm maximizing my time. And again, I can't stress enough that we have such limited time with our players in California. Our players are falling behind in terms of, Everybody else in the country playing games for the most part, or maybe a privileged club or a supported club can afford to travel and road trip to Arizona or Nevada from Northern or Southern California to go and play in games. Now they're being advantaged. So the best thing we can do if we're stuck in our own state, if we're unable to play and, and compete, is we can maximize our time. And I think these are. Just some real quick ideas that you can take into your environment, to your players. And I encourage you to let me know. I want to know if that's realistic for you. Is it realistic for you to text a play, uh, uh, an image to your players? Is it realistic to tell them ahead of time? How do you tell them ahead of time? Does it work? Do you put it on your Instagram and say, hey, everyone, check out my Instagram every day? Not only do you begin to get followers from that or story views, but now you're putting it out in a place where you can be held accountable, too. And I think... The more we can give our players, the better we're going to be serving them. The more they're going to be involved, the more they're going to feel like they belong in an organization or in a group where right now, if they're not in school or if they're in small parts with the same people, they might be feeling a little isolated and a little bit left out. So a really sad stat about the amount of cases of depression since COVID, especially amongst youth that are not playing in sport. Now, we have a chance to keep them involved, to keep them Playing, whether that's actually on the field in an 11v11 game, or whether that is in an environment where they're part of a group that's coming up with a new team warm-up. I think we can do so much for our players, and we can be available for them all the time, and we can give them so much more than we are currently giving them. So I'd love to know from you, hit me up at Lee Dunn Soccer. I'd love to know if you are doing other things that I could share from your perspective. I'd love for you to leave me a voicemail and let me know what you're doing. Let me know if you think there's something that everybody could do or something that's working for you or something that I've mentioned that does work or doesn't work. This is how the soccer world works right now. It's it's a collaboration, it's a giving, it's a sharing of ideas. And here are just some of my ideas for you. There's always more coming from me and Heads and Volley's podcast, so look out for that real soon. Keep in touch with me, as always, at Lead on Soccer on Instagram and Twitter. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always looking for new connections and new ideas of sharing, and I have some pretty cool articles on LinkedIn too. So look out for me. I look out for you. More coming soon.